What is Crackalackin' Hardwood Knox listeners? I am Damp Valley coming at you with a Sunday edition of this podcast. Once more, sans my co-host Adam Frommel. I am, however, pleased and excited to be joined by one of my co-workers to talk about the Philadelphia 76ers, Brian Toporek. He is a quality editor for Bleacher Report, which is also where I work full-time. He's the co-host of the NBA podcast follow them on twitter at the nba pod and he also covers the sixers and the nba at large for Forbes sports and fansided follow brian on twitter at b toporek that's at b-t-o-p-o-r-e-k we have a great conversation about the sixers we probably talk a little bit about ben simmons believe it or not before we get started though just my usual housekeeping notes and please Continue rating, reviewing, and subscribing to us wherever you get your podcasts. I say that with pretty, pretty pleases and sugar and whatever else on top. That is the best way to help us out. Really helps us slingshot up the the chart rankings. Whether you use iTunes or not, we do ask that you head over there. If you have access to it, search Hardwood Knox, throw us a five-star rating, write a review. Those help us in the charts as well. If this is your first time listening to Hardwood Knox, consider throwing us that permanent subscription. Uh, we are pleasantly sub-mediocre, as I reiterate on the intro of every podcast. Follow us on Twitter at Hardwood Knox, spelled like it sounds. Follow us on Instagram at Hardwood underscore Knox. And you can also follow our YouTube channel. Go to YouTube.com, search Hardwood Knox. We will be the first thing that comes up. All right, without further delay, let's get into talking Philadelphia 76ers basketball and Ben Simmons' trade saga, whatever you want to call it, with Brian Toporek. Brian, thank you so much for coming back on the Hardwood Knox podcast. And unlike Ben Simmons, thank you for showing up. It's, it's really appreciated <laughs> and super convenient. This podcast will be better for it. How are you doing? I'm, I'm doing well. Are you trying out for a Philadelphia newscaster job right now? Because you're, you're really nailing it. Look, I'm, I'm kind of... I'm sympathetic to Ben Simmons' situation in a lot of ways, but I the the thing and by the like the thing that people struggle with here, and if anyone's surprised, we're going to begin the podcast talking about Ben Simmons. <laughs> uh, we need to be able to juggle multiple truths, and like Ben Simmons and Rich Paul, like they're not blameless in this scenario, and it's become like I don't want to shit all over players because I've become very cognizant of like imagine they're checking Twitter, the mental health aspect of it, but he's he. And Rich Paul and just his his camp, they're not doing themselves any favors at this point. And I, I have to throw it to you. Like, what is just, what the fuck is going on? Like, what, are, <laughs> what are your thoughts on general, the implic and for the larger picture? Yeah. What is the, like, are there implications for the, for the league here long-term, given what Ben Simmons is doing? For anyone who doesn't know, and I don't know how you wouldn't, and are listening <laughs> to this podcast, Ben Simmons has four years, $147 million left on his contract, has refused to report. Um, to Philly's training camp. They have been trying to trade him. They tried to trade him for James Harden. I get we're dealing with people and feelings are involved, but this is just like, I don't know who looks good coming out of this right now. My, my, my answer would be no one, but I'm just curious right. as to feel, I'm curious to know how you feel about this. Just anything, any thoughts you have on it. Exhausted, I think is the, the only word. Like I, I had a newborn at home a couple months ago and I was less tired then than I am now of the Ben Simmons situation. It, I think you're right though. Like it, no one looks good coming out of this. I, you know, I don't blame Ben Simmons for wanting out for a multitude of reasons. Like I, you know, the fit questions with him and Embiid have existed for years. 
I know that came up in a couple of recent reports. I think it was Sam Amick of The Athletic, Kevin O'Connor of The Ringer, you know, said that was one of the many reasons he cited for wanting out. He thinks he can be maximized elsewhere. And frankly, I agree. Like you, you were never going to get a fully maximized Ben Simmons alongside Joel Embiid and vice versa. They papered over it during the regular season. It became an issue in the playoffs. I will say this though. He has to take some accountability for the fit issues. Like if he had made the improvements to his offensive game that Joel Embiid has over the past few years, then the fit issues would not be, be as glaring as they are right now. You know, Embiid has improved as a three-point shooter, really improved as a passer, still turnover prone, especially when it gets double teamed, but tightened up his dribble a little bit. And the revolution last year was that he just started facing up more instead of being like a more back to the basket guy. So if someone came in, double teamed him to the weak side, he was, you could see it. He had a line of vision that he didn't otherwise have. Ben Simmons, I don't want to say he hasn't improved at all, because I think the conversation about him has gotten so poisoned at this point because of what happened in the Hawks series and the past few months since. Um, He has improved in in certain areas of the game and not even just like I don't care that he, you know, like the shooting thing is just what it is at this point. You would love to see him develop it. I don't know if it's ever going to happen. But like during the regular season, he was toying around with the hook shot that he, you know, that he really hadn't shown in years past. And I think it was Jerome Weitzman uh, wrote a piece of five, uh, yeah, 538 about it uh, back in March. It was like, he's taking a higher volume of these than ever before. And like, maybe this is the counter for all of these playoff woes. And then he went back into his turtle shell in the playoffs. So, so, you know, I don't blame him for wanting out, but I'm with you in that the way he and Rich Paul are handling this is, you know, I think the perception is going to start shifting more toward like, haha, serves you right Sixers to like, Oh wow. F Ben Simmons. Like screw this guy. You know, but the report from Kyle Newbeck of Philly voice the other day, where it's like one of the things they cited was, he went to a team that was too good. That was and- my favorite. That's what <laughs> come out of this is that the Sixers were too good. That was that was my favorite thing. My internet was out on Tuesday when that report came out. So someone texted that to me. And I honestly thought I had to like check that it was not from a fake account. Like I thought that excerpt, you know, was just like someone made that up. But no, that's a real. And so like that I am less sympathetic toward. Um, and the bigger picture question, I think, is really the, the big thing to focus on here. And when the news of his holdout came out, I wrote a piece at Forbes Sports about that, because like there's only so much you can say about the Sixers specific angle here. Right. Like there, I, I don't think he ever plays another game for the Sixers okay. or if he if he does, maybe he'll do what James Harden did and just like totally m- mail it in for eight games and they trade him in a month. He should probably uh, only play on the road if he's going to play for the Sixers. Yeah, right. I don't think he ever plays another game in Philadelphia throughout his career. I will say that. <laughs> like in you know, as a Sixer, but when he gets traded, I don't. I, he's going to come up with some injury every single time his team is. And I hope they have to play them in the playoffs because I think that would be really funny. Um, but yeah, I mean, like if this works what's to stop the next star from doing it? Like if a guy with four years left on his contract can hold out and say, I'm never reporting again, you have to trade me. I'm willing to swallow all this money that you're going to find me. What's to stop Luka Doncic from doing that to the Mavericks next year? If the Jason Kidd thing blows up and Kristaps doesn't get back to what he was, or what's to stop Zion Williamson 
we're already hearing reports that he wants out in New Orleans. If he sees this work with Ben Simmons, he could sign his rookie max extension and then he could demand out in a year. And so like, I, you know, I, there have been reports that teams around the league have been like silently cheering Philly on because if this works, contracts effectively become meaningless. And for, especially for teams in small markets where, you know, you win the number one pick, you think, okay, well, I've got this guy for at least four years. He's going to take a rookie max. So I've probably got him for you know, seven, seven to seven to nine years. Yeah. If you don't have that, then like, how do you build a team? Like, how do you ever get out of, you know, like the Lakers and the Nets and the Heat are going to be good for a while because they're marquee markets. But like, if you don't have the promise of we get Zion Williamson, we've got him for a while. Like, if you only have him for three or four years, you know, you got the number one pick for a reason. You're not going to have time to build a team around him before he wants out. Yeah, that's a great point. I am just wondering if it's, you know, the Zion stuff, I think people, you mentioned the extension and trying to force his way out after that. I think that would be the larger issue than people thinking he's going to sign his qualifying offer. Mm-hmm. I will, I know they're getting, I know the qualifying offers are getting up there. And I think his is going to end up being like 17 million or something like that. When someone does it, and I'm not counting Greg Monroe, like that Greg yeah, Monroe, right, right, right. it also didn't pan out for him when you think no. about it. Long. Like he got paid it, but like it didn't pan out for him really. I'll believe it that that's going to happen when I see it. And I don't think that Zion is going to be the guy to do it just because Zion's health has been all over the place. He's not yeah. going to be healthy to start this season. I'm just wondering if Ben Simmons' situation is a little bit more unique because this is a team that tried to trade him actively for James Harden. And then you knew they were going to shop him anyway. And you also kind of had as correct as Joel Embiid and Doc Rivers have been. Mm-hmm. And maybe they haven't thrown him under the bus. I mean, Rivers doing the complete 180 after the game. I get it's right after the moment, that Hawks game. And that it's hard to answer questions like in those emotional times. But like that just felt like as the coach, like you can't, he is the second most important player on your team in theory. So I'm just wondering like, if that stuff isn't happening, if Joel B doesn't say what he says after the game, if the relationship between them hasn't always been weird, does it maybe not get to the point? Because I do feel like that has to be part of this, which is why I understand where Simmons, like forget about the on-court fit. I just don't think stuff. And this is, this predates Daryl Morey. This is around the Sam Hinkie era. Whereas like, did these young guys have too much agency behind the scenes where they not reined in enough given the control? And like, it's also not Ben Simmons' fault that they chose like him over Jimmy Butler and didn't try to force that to make it work. Like you then emboldened him too much in that. And so I'm just curious, like if the organization had, I know people said the Sixers should have moved Ben Simmons earlier. Look, sure. But like, I think we've seen enough times like guys that are this good, they don't get moved on their rookie contracts. It's talked about like the Shea Gilgis Alexander stuff leading up to the draft. No, these guys sign extensions. And then most of them are going to finish out like, their extensions or get traded towards the end of it so i'm just curious as to whether this really won't have the ripple effect that we think it does um but i do understand like even if it does have the ripple effect and you're dealing with what are there 20 to 25 players in the league that have that type of leverage you don't want to see someone sign a rookie extension then ask out like what that does to parity and and stuff like that and then also do we get to a point where that pool expands where like Mm -hmm you know, a top 35, top 50 player is still like a number two or a number three. So like, we're going to give them that leverage. So I do see how it could get messy. I'm just wondering if this is like the extreme case because of everything that's just happened leading up to this point. 
Right. And I mean, it's this is so weird because usually it's a, a guy on a bad team that wants out because he wants to go to a good team. This is like the Sixers were the number one seed last year. I, like we haven't seen a guy saying, I want to go to any other team. Like I'm, I'm willing to go to Sacramento. I'm willing to go to Cleveland. I'm willing to go to Minnesota. Like teams that have been in the lottery year after year after year. So I think in that respect, it is definitely an edge case. Um, and I, I hear you. Like, I don't know that there will be a huge wave of disgruntled stars that want out just because it worked for Ben Simmons. But I think, you know, if the team owners in particular have to hedge against that. So I wonder, you know, if we've got a new CBA coming up in a couple of years, like depending on how this plays out, I'm sure that is going to be a topic of conversation in those negotiations as well. And like, you know, do you put a restriction where if you sign this rookie max extension, you, you know, you can't be traded for X number of years. And then do the players push back and say like, look, man, the, the way this system contracts to begin right, with, like this system is screwed up that you, if you draft me, you have my rights effectively for nine years. If you, you know, yeah. if you get the rookie max or like, limit rookie max or limit rookie extensions to three years instead of five. So I, I I think that's the thing to focus on long-term, like outside of just Sixers specific is, you know, what are the implications league wide? Does this come up in new CBA? Does this change the system itself such that we don't run into this problem again? Cause I guarantee you as much as some of the other owners in the league might be laughing at the Sixers now, they won't find it so funny when it's their team dealing with their star running out a couple of years left. And there are, I'm sure there, and I think we talked about this on Twitter once. I'm sure there are teams that think they can benefit from these types of situations, even in maybe smaller markets, but you are right until it happens to them. That's when it's going to be a problem. And I would say if you really wanted to take a stand against it, like there would need to be a tacit agreement that, Hey, we're not trading for Ben Simmons then because that helps <laughs> set the precedent. I don't know yeah. how probable that would be. Looking at the actual Sixers situation now, though, and the reality of what this has become right now, if Ben Simmons never plays another game for them, if he doesn't have a functional way of removing the bad taste from people's mouths that they remember from that Hawks game, what would be, and we've seen Daryl Morey's asking price, assuming that's accurate. (laughs) Um, they They are epic in how egregious they are. I think yes. like he lowered his asking price to Portland for like CJ McCollum and then three first and three pick swaps or whatever that, <laughs> yeah. that report was. What yeah. would what would be you're the GM of the Sixers? What is the minimum type package or the baseline right now that you would accept for Ben Simmons, whether it's an example of a specific team or just like, you know, in, in, a theory of it, like, oh, we'll take a starting ball handler and we will take future picks because we'll hope that we can parlay those into maybe a bigger blockbuster trade later on. Yeah. I mean, that's the tough question, especially before the season starts. Cause I think at this point, you know, teams feel pretty good about the rosters or at least like want to see how their off seasons play out. So I don't think we get to see it. Like, I think there's going to be a waiting period where, you know, the Sixers are going to want to see, if other teams get off to a slow start, like maybe the Blazers just totally fall flat on their face. And then Damian Lillard, like all the stuff that came out about the, him this offseason starts to bubble up again. Or maybe the Wizards after their, you know, the offseason overhaul, they get off to the slow start. Bradley Beal doesn't sign the extension. So like, obviously Dame and Beal are the top two guys that you would go after. You're never going to get either one of those in a one-for-one deal. You're going to have to give up Tyrese Maxey. You're going to have to give up picks as well. 
Um, I don't think either one are realistic, honestly. Like, I don't think Dane's asking out until next summer at the earliest. And I don't think the Sixers can have this situation hanging over their heads the whole time. So I think a lot, what the return comes down to depends a lot on how they look in the early going, specifically how Tyrese Maxey and Shake Milton look. Because without Ben, for as much as we focus on the shooting, the lack of shooting, and what he does to their half-court spacing, he is their best playmaker by far, especially in transition, and he is their best perimeter defender. So they are going to really miss him, especially in the regular season when teams aren't as locked in defensively and you can get out and transition more. Like Tyrese Maxey, they are trying to mold into this point guard. That's not necessarily his game. And some of the quotes coming out from camp are like, really high on this kid, but he still needs to learn how to play point guard, which is not exactly what you want to hear two weeks before the start of the season. So I think, you know, if Maxi and Milton start the season off well and look like they can actually hold their own there, that widens the scope of the packages that you can get in return. I'm skeptical that those two guys could be the top two point guards on a championship team. So I, with a Simmons trade, I would target a primary ball handler in, the, in return. So like, you know, if you go to Indiana, you've got to get Malcolm Brogdon, you go to, uh, San Antonio is the team that I've had my eye on the, the most probably in terms of just like if there is one team where a one-to-one swap or like a, a two-team deal makes sense, you know, a DeJounte Murray plus, you know, Devin Vassell, Thad Young for salary matching, like that is fine. You know, I, I think the Sixers are going to look like they lost the Simmons trade when it's all said and done. Like I, they are, they are going to be giving up the best player in the deal. Cause again, I don't think they're getting Dame, or I don't think they're getting Beal, but you have to live with that and just know, even if you are losing the best player, if you can get guys who fit better around Joel Embiid and make this team make more sense conceptually, it might be okay. Cause you might be able to plug some of the holes with the guys that you bring in, or maybe, you know, Matisse Thibel has a bigger role defensively with Ben Simmons out or Tyrese Maxey takes on a big role. Um, I will say, uh, you know, I'm intrigued to see what happens with Maxey in the early going here. Cause they have been raving about this kid really ever since he was drafted. They say they love his work ethic. Um, and I, you know, they're going to look different until they trade Simmons and, you know, whether that's a good or a bad thing, we'll, we'll find out soon. But you know, if, Maxie's not going to be the playmaker or defender that Ben Simmons is, but he is a better scorer. He's a more willing shooter. He can run pick and rolls. So we like, haven't really seen Joella beat run pick and rolls. We're going to actually get to see that this year. So I'm intrigued about the Simmons Sixers, but I'm, I'm skeptical that, you know, I, I, they can't like let this linger for full season there. They are going to be worse without him. And Joel Embiid has said as much. Now, how would you map out the ending to this? Do you expect him to report at some point? You've already said you think he's played his last game. So do you think he's traded? You know, is there, when do you think he's traded? Is it just going to be in mid-December when there are, when teams have, then there are more players that can be included in packages. Um, Could it linger closer to even the deadline? Is there even a chance that he still finishes the season on Philly's roster? Like what is, if you just map out how this is going to go, what do you think happens? Yeah, I, I don't think there's a chance he finishes the season. I, I think he's got to be gone by the deadline. I, I think the bridges are too burned at this point based on all of the reporting. And I, 
No, I, I hear you on the Doc and Joel comments after game seven, but at the same time, like I was in most a lot of the Sixers press conferences last year, and Doc just hyped this guy up every single time. And every time someone brought up the scoring, like Doc was like, Well, yeah, but focus on everything else that he brings to the table. It was just such a 180 from that though, which is what like you went from doing that to all of a sudden like I don't even know what this, who this fucking guy is, baby. <laughs> but like, honestly, he was asked, it wasn't like, can he be a player on a championship team? Can he be a point guard? And it's a fair question because the guy doesn't shoot. Right. It's just, you go from being his biggest advocate, yeah, to yeah. like not throwing him under the bus, but all of a sudden being brutally honest at a time when he probably scored <laughs> more than he did during the regular season. Right. So it's just, I get that. Like he wasn't wrong, but it right. was like, it was just so counterintuitive to the way that he had been carrying the Ben Simmons discourse to that point. <laughs> yeah, it was not, not ideal, not ideal. Uh, but no, I think it wouldn't surprise me if it goes until mid-December once, you know, guys who signed as free agents can be traded or even goes up until the trade deadline. But I don't, I, I'm honestly skeptical that they can wait that long especially if Maxie and Milton struggle at the beginning of the season. So it wouldn't surprise me. I mean, we saw you know, Jimmy Butler, when he was in Minnesota, got traded like 12 or 13 games into the season, I think. James Harden, I think he played eight games last year before he got traded. So that's probably the, you know, like around Thanksgiving would be my better guess. But because like, I just don't know which teams in the conversation now have guys who signed as free agents that the Sixers would want, unless there's a wild card out there. Like maybe the Knicks are out there and say like, we'll include Kemba Walker in mid-December if you can wait that long. I, you know, just throwing out a hypothetical, I don't think the Knicks would do, would be interested in Ben. But, you know, there, there weren't that many guys who signed big money deals where it's like, oh yeah, well that, that makes sense. You would include that guy and that's someone who the Sixers would be interested in. So I don't, I don't think they have to wait that long. But at this point, I wouldn't be surprised if they're also just trying to shove it to Ben and Rich Paul a little bit and saying like, all right, you want to hold out? We will keep finding you $360,000 or whatever the case may be. And like, I hope you're okay with giving up $5 billion because we don't really care about these first 10 regular season games. We think we can hold our own until then. Well, and that would be the other element too, is that if they want to avoid setting a precedent, if that's the, you know, the stuff that's going on behind the scenes, I get it. But you probably also want to see if you can, one, get off to a pretty good start because that mm -hmm. at least increases your leverage. And two, maybe hold out as long as possible just to see what happens to the trade market as the season soldiers on. Like Because we there's always unforeseen players that are available. There are teams that are worse than expected. Players we didn't anticipate becoming available become available. I just don't know how long you have to hold out for that market to develop. I don't think it's going to be by Thanksgiving. You, I think you would have to gut it out until around like Christmas at the earliest. And that's just mind melting to think. That being said, maybe if you're just good, maybe if you're just, maybe if you're top three in the East, top four in the East still, perhaps that teams that are already interested in him, the Minnesotas, the Sacramentos, the, if Portland insofar as they're, maybe that emboldens them to up their, their offer for Simmons. And that makes it easier to, to strike a deal at that mm -hmm. point. This is just a very interesting game of who of chicken, I guess, yeah. of who's going to be able to wait out long. I personally don't think like Ben's. I can't envision Ben. Like if the Sixers really drag this out, I can't envision Ben Simmons reporting in some form. Maybe he reports yeah. and then pretends he has an injury. He's yeah. not punting on thirty plus million dollars. I just can't. 
I can't see it. I would be shocked. And so I'm just interested to see who caves first. But I do agree with you that in all probability that the Sixers are going to look like they lost the Ben Simmons trade. Yeah. Yeah. And I, they have to be okay with that. I think one other point to, you know, why it would make sense to wait is, you know, it, if Tyrese Maxey and Shake Milton are in these expanded roles, and if they look good in there, that might make them more appealing to trade partners as well. So if you are trying to get a Damian Lillard and Tyrese Maxey, like lights the world on fire in these first 10 games. And the, again, the Blazers get off to a slow start. Maybe they're more interested. You know, Tyrese Maxey is more like conceptual. We've seen like flashes of him, but we haven't seen consistent play out of him because he's you know, barely got any run last year because he's a rookie under Doc Rivers. So, <laughs> <laughs> but you know, like if, if the Sixers, other guys could boost their trade value as well. If they're going to be part of the package with Ben, that could help as well. Uh, but you're right. I mean, there's always some team is going to get off to a slow start and think like maybe Sacramento, you know, just totally shits the bed in the first 10 or 15 games. And their stands of like, we're not trading De'Aaron Fox or Tyrese Halliburton. They're like, you know what? We're going absolutely nowhere with this core. Maybe we are willing to trade one of these guys. Let's talk actual basketball. Please, oh. please. How does Ben Simmons, I know he's still related to this, how does his absence or will it change the context of Embiid's role at all, whether it's what he's actually doing on the court or is this, you know, if let's just say Ben Simmons isn't traded, he's not with the team, are, are we still or are they still being ultra cautious with Embiid? Do we see him set a career high minutes per game? Do we maybe see him miss fewer than 20 games for basically the first time ever? <laughs> I'm just... There, there's just so many trickle down implications of Ben Simmons being on your roster, but not with your team. Right, right. Because I mean, again, Joel said it. We are going to be worse without him. And we saw, you know, the first preseason game when they didn't have Tobias and Joel, and obviously Ben. They just got their brains beaten. And you know, Tobias and Joe came back, and they actually looked like a competent basketball team against Toronto. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think even more of the offense is going to flow through Joel. And I'm sure, you know, unlike Ben, Joe comes back every year and actually does show signs of improvement. So I'm excited to see, you know, what he really worked on this summer. It sounds like he worked a lot on threes. He was talking about taking a higher volume of threes himself. Um, and the logo off the dribble. Yeah, I hope so. Yeah. I mean, yeah, maybe that's the solution. We just get point Joe instead of point Ben. Um, no, but I think, We'll see improved spacing where they're going to be worse defensively without Ben. So I think how Doc juggles his rotations, how much time he can get for Thibel in particular, he averaged like 20 minutes per game last year. I think it's going to be got to be closer to like 25 to 30 this year, just because he is going to be that. No, I love Danny Green, but Danny Green is not a lockdown wing defender anymore. He's more of a. You know what the thing that bothered me is people saying Danny Green was washed because he couldn't shut down Trey Young. In yeah. The first year. And I was like, that's <laughs> standard for whether you're a good defender or not. <laughs> yeah. Like your coach made a really dumb decision to put you on. Like that was never going to work. And he knew that, but just decided to do it for some reason. Like that was, he set Danny Green up to fail. And I will say, like, I think if Danny Green doesn't get hurt, in that series, the Sixers probably win that series. Like it's, it's a very underrated aspect of what happened given Ben's obvious shortcomings, but like Danny Green went down in game three. And I don't think it's a coincidence that the wheels fell off after that. He is like a really quietly important part of this team. So 
how you balance minutes between him and Matisse will be interesting. You know, Matisse, the reports out of camp have been really positive for him. It sounds like the Olympics experience was great for him. They're saying he just came in a lot more confident. Um, and I think he will be, you know, it's going to be easier to find minutes for him because you don't have to juggle. Like last year, it was like, how do you play Ben and Matisse and Dwight on the floor at the same time? Because the spacing is just so bad. Well, now if you don't have to have the Ben question of like, how do we play one non-shooter? You know, like Drummond is still going to be a non-shooter, but like I, I think there are going to be more minutes for Matisse because they aren't going to have as many non-shooters on the floor. Um, so that will be interesting. And then it seems like they're just putting a heavier emphasis on firing up threes. Like they are telling Seth Curry, you are too good of a shooter to only be taking five or six threes per game. Like you got to be like your brother, take eight to 10 per game. Tobias Harris you're a 40% three-point shooter. You can't take three threes a game, like fire six, fire seven. So I think we see a higher volume of threes, which welcome to the 21st century, Doc. I'm, I'm glad to, glad you finally arrived. That's also probably a way, the quality of looks matters, of course, but that's also a way of offsetting, okay, we don't have Simmons' playmaking. So if you increase the variance in your shot profile where those, the three-pointers are worth more than two-pointers, and then also... Now you have to plan around a worse defense, I would assume. And that's, you kind of already touched on the two things I was going to ask about is um, what does their defense look like without us? It was bad during the minutes with Joel Embiid last year. I do think opponents were pretty lucky. Um, they shot like 38 plus percent from three during those minutes. Mm-hmm. And so if you're playing Tybal more, like that should be fine. But what do you make of their defense without Ben Simmons? Is this just, you, you already mentioned Matisse. Is he someone who's, you know, you mentioned like 25 minutes a game, if you want to have a, like, I feel like he needs to play at least 30. And then two, yeah. with him specifically, do you see any other element of his game on offense? Or is it just he needs to knock down threes? He's never going to be someone who puts the ball on the floor or that they try and run different type of, of things for. Yeah, I mean, I think that three-point shooting is going to be the, the biggest swing skill for him. Like, if he can't ever be a reliable catch-and-shoot guy, you're going to leave him wide open. And he's going to screw up the spacing elsewhere. No, I don't think they're going to run a too many like Matisse create off the dribble, but he can do it. I mean, he has done it before. He's good in transition in particular. So like, I, I don't think they're going to run a ton of plays for him, but maybe they could use him as like a backdoor cutter and get him looks close to the basket or something like that. Um, yeah. I mean, I think the defense is going to be worse. And I, I was talking with uh, Ben Dowsett, who's a Utah guy the other day about like, DPOY odds. We were talking about this on our pod and like, can anyone challenge Rudy Gobert? Uh, and he was saying he would actually put money on Joella Bede right now. And I was thinking like, whoa, I, I actually go with the complete opposite route. Like I think their defense is going to take such a hit without Ben that, you know, that it's just not going to be a top five defense. So I don't think Joe is going to get that DPOY hype, but maybe by removing Ben, if they do maintain a top five defense or anything close to it, or like maybe Joel does feel more responsibility on that end because he doesn't have a safety net in Ben, particularly when Matisse is off the floor, like a maxi Curry backcourt is going to get roasted defensively. It's going to make Joe have to cover a lot more mistakes than he did last year. So I do think they're going to be worse. I would not personally put money on Joel Abid to win DPOY, but God bless you if you do. Uh, he could sort of get the narrative nudge 
because yeah. you lost Ben Simmons if the defense is still – I honestly don't know if I expect them to have a top-10 defense. But it would be the yeah. same thing with Anthony Davis. You trade away your two best perimeter defenders last year, basically. Well, LeBron, two of your three best perimeter defenders last year. Get back one of the worst perimeter defenders that you could <laughs> right, possibly get right. at that price point in Russell Westbrook. And if you still have a top-10 defense, like yeah. that's going to help him. So I, I could see Embiid entering the conversation through that route. I'm just – I know we talk about how bigs can impact defense more with the Sixers specifically. I mean, you can make the case for the Lakers too, because Davis is always in down the lineup, but like knowing he might miss a quarter of the season, knowing that he's never been someone that plays 36, 38 minutes a game. That's just a lot of time where you're not going to have Joel Embiid or Ben Simmons on the court. And that's kind of terrifying. Yeah. Like I, I think Andre Drummond on a min deal is a good value for the Sixers. I, Andre Drummond is not going to anchor a top five defense without Joe or Ben on the floor as well. You know, so their bench in particular, it seems like it could be a defensive liability. Um, it's, it's certainly, it's one of many concerns for this team and they're going to have to figure out again, like this could help shape what they're looking for in return in a Ben Simmons package. I will say point of attack defense has been an issue for them for a long time like these quick speedy guards, you know, Ben is really versatile and great defensively can lock down all sorts of types of players. Like I haven't seen anyone do what he did to Luka Doncic. Like he is one of the best defenders on guys like Luka or James Harden, like those heliocentric, you know, bigger guards who aren't going to necessarily beat you with their quickness off the dribble. The De'Aaron Fox types, the Colin Sexton types, like the Sixers have just bled points. Trey Young, bled points against those types. So if Matisse could carve out a role there, again, it's just going to be like you're trading off certain things with Ben off the floor. But if these other guys can paper over some of the holes, it'll be different. I don't know if it's better or worse, but different. When you look at their offseason independent of Ben Simmons, they were very limited in what they could spend. Mm-hmm. You wish that they would have been more aggressive in trying to acquire some more ball handling because they have, you know, George Ziang and Andre Drummond, like those aren't guys that that help you do that. Right. Yeah. I mean, it, I it sounds like they're just that confident in Maxi. Like that's what Daryl was saying. I think it was after the draft, even. Yeah, I think that was the last time he spoke with reporters. He, he was like he tried to bat away all Ben Simmons questions, acting like he was going to speak with reporters later in the summer and never did. But he was saying, you know, the development of guys like Maxi can help shape what they're looking for in free agency. So I agree with you. Like it's obvious that ball handling playmaking is a huge weakness on their roster right now. Like for as much of the focus in Boston is about that Philly has the exact same concern. Um, But it sounds like they're just that high on Maxi and Milton. We'll see. I'm skeptical that it's going to work out, but you know, this is the time of year where everyone's best laid plans still sound good. What's the biggest thing Maxie needs to improve upon for the Sixers to not be in dire need then of that secondary guy? Because I don't, you know, I don't necessarily view him as like a like a lead point guard, but he was right. just a rookie last year. What I do value, and I know the efficiency wasn't there on threes, but like he's an every level scorer, yes. which is a stark change from what that <laughs> right exactly so i think that's going to be very different like their offense will look different because he is running it uh because he is so much more of a scoring threat you know he, he picked up 
I know like early in the season, he was really reliant on that floater, which is, it works. It's effective, but it drove doc crazy. And, you know, as the season went on, he got more aggressive about driving, drawing fouls. He's a better free throw shooter than Ben Simmons as well. So that will help. Um, but the, it sounds like, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it sounds like the balance of scoring and playmaking is the thing that he needs to work on the most. Cause he is more wired to be that type of like, if you even call him a point guard, like a score force point guard. So how do you balance those instincts with, you know, you still have the MVP runner up on the floor. You still have a guy in Tobias Harris who, you know, played at a fringe all-star level last year. You have great shooters in green and Curry flanking you on the wings. Like you have to figure out ways to get those guys all involved while also hunting for your own shot. So I think, you know, this like Tyrese Maxey is the one. If Rich Paul wants to play, like, it's unfair. That, you know, expectations are too early on it. Like that's the guy who I could actually hear it because like he <laughs> would typically go on a bad team and get some time to figure it out. But like now he's got to lead. You know, the team that finished number one in the East, he's got to be their starting point guard. That there are going to be a lot of expectations placed on him early in the season, and I, you know, I worry that he will struggle in that role. I think the Sixers did a really good job of streamlining Tobias Harris's offensive role last year. Mm-hmm. Do we see him just like maybe turn like that, that one Clipper season where I think it was him and before he got traded the Sixers, or maybe it was even the season before that. Like, do we just see him maybe run like more pick and rolls now? Like, is that because like, I just don't, they don't have any other options. Is he someone that needs to sort of broaden his offensive horizons at this point? Yeah. I mean, it sounds like they aren't, going to have maxi bring the ball at the floor every time they've said like if seth catches the ball if tobias catches the ball like you bring the ball up the floor so i think it is going to be a more egalitarian approach rather than just you know ben simmons is going to be our primary playmaker it wouldn't surprise me uh to see tobias take on a larger role i will say you know one of the big focuses with him last season under doc was quick decisions you know, he said that the year before the Al Horford, Josh Richardson debacle, like Tobias was just dribbling the air out of the ball. And that's what drove Doc nuts. So he said, like, look, you just you catch it and you either shoot or you pass or like you you know what you're doing before you even catch that ball. So I think that it's going to be hard for him to balance that with having to take on more of a playmaking role himself. But yeah, like I, I would frankly be surprised if anyone on the Sixers this year averaged even like six assists per game. Wow. Right. I mean, who Maxi yeah, or Milton would be the best bet. It has to be Maxi. I feel I, yeah, I guess Milton too, but it, it would have to be Maxi, and that's going to represent quite the, the leap for him. So right. I think, you know, you look at last year as a rookie um, and it, a 20.1 assist percentage per cleaning the glass while he was on the floor. That's like, that's fine for a rookie, but that's that's pretty low if you're the point guard. So <laughs> right, right. How does that and how like what happens with his turnovers if you're going to give him that type of usage too? Like he was pretty low turnover, but his responsibility was just not through the roof. Um, I finally get to ask you about their main offseason additions. Who is more impactful for this team, George Yang or Andre Drummond? Yeah, I mean, <laughs> I think it might be a different answer for the regular season or the playoffs. Like I think Drummond just by virtue of NBA, you have to pencil him in to miss 20 games. And, you know, for all of Drummond's faults, like having a guy like him as your main backup is like, you can feel okay with Andre Drummond filling in as a starter for 
20 games this year. Like you're, you're not going to just get blown off the floor, which has really been the Sixers problem throughout the entire Joel Embiid era. It's like, they are so good with him on the court. And whenever he leaves, they just get annihilated. Um, I think they have to structure their offense differently. And this is one area where, you know, Doc's insistence on running like full bench units actually kind of makes sense where it's like, you know, the starters have their own Joel centric offense, but then you don't want to run the same plays with Drummond that you do Joel. Like you don't want Drummond to be posting up as much as Joel does or facing up as much as Joel does. No, you do not. (laughs) Right. So, (laughs) so I think, you know, having him as the insurance policy is the bigger asset during the regular season but I think the egg's actually going to be, I mean, what it, Doc called it like the silent pickup or something like that. Uh, it was talking specifically about like, if they want to play small ball, they can do like him and Tobias on the floor at the same time. But like it, both of these guys in theory are upgrades over, you know, Nyang from Mike Scott, who I love Mike Scott as a, as a person. And his we'll emoji always, tattoos. Yeah. Yeah. Like we'll always have, I ain't no bitch. We're going to, we're going to love that era of the Sixers, but he couldn't hit a shot to save his life last year. Like Niang is going to be, and Niang's got a quick trigger too. Uh, so he'll be a big upgrade there. And then Niang could not hit a shot to save his life in the playoffs last year. Though. Yeah, that's true. Well, Joe Harris couldn't either. I'm going to bank on positive regression there. Uh, and Drummond, you know, I think once the playoffs come around, it's fair to wonder how effective he'll be. So I think if, if they do get in the playoffs and if they go deeper into the playoffs, having, you know, just again, more shooters around Embiid will be really like having Niang to come in for Tobias Harris whenever he's off the floor. Like if you put just Niang with Curry and Green and Maxi or Milton, like that's a ton of shooting on the floor. Korkmaz. So that was part of my question was, so we should expect them to get a little bit, I'll call it weird, but let's say more innovative with the backup five rotation, just to, even if they don't, do it in games where Embiid actually plays because you just go Embiid to Drummond and that's it. Mm-hmm. Like you said, there are going to be games Embiid misses. So, like, should we expect them to actually play, like, tangible minutes without a traditional big on the court? Measurable I minutes, I should say. Excuse me. I hope so, but someone asked Doc about this during camp. And he's like, you don't think we thought about that? But sometimes your roster just doesn't allow for it. And Wasn't it so- demanded at this point? Like, I get the... Like- you would think so but like yeah it wouldn't surprise me if they go you know more like paul reed or even charles bassey like it wouldn't shock me if you know doc does not strike me as like a super innovative x's and o's type i don't think that is the primary selling point for why you hire doc rivers as a coach you know it's like more establish the culture and get guys to buy in and you know if you wanted the x's and o's guy you would have gone for tyron lu uh, so I would be very pleasantly surprised if we see some minutes with Yang at the five or Tobias at the five. You know, we saw very sparingly Ben at the five last year, and those minutes have never really worked out. Uh, so I think they're going to try to be as traditional as possible, but at least it won't be like Cleveland where we've got, you know, Lloyd Markman playing the three. Uh, like hopefully we don't see Tobias Harris playing the three ever. Uh, that, but I, if they're doing that, Doc Rivers probably needs to get fired, to be honest. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. What is just – I'm looking looking at this roster. What is the over – let's set the over-under at – for this. You don't even know the category that's coming, but okay. let's set the over-under on this for three. 
for the number of pick and rolls per game <laughs> that Furkan Korkmaz runs. Oh, man. <laughs> I can tell I, you how many he ran last year per okay. game. That helps. 1.6 per game. Yeah. I'm doubling his volume, essentially. Uh, and I don't know if you saw his hype video. I, I love his hype video. Yeah, he didn't expect that to go as viral as it did. But <laughs> he said he watched it a lot of times. <laughs> uh i'll go slightly under but i do think quirk you know they re-signed him this year for a three-year deal like they actually want him around it's talk about his trajectory with this team i know it's so <laughs> like two years ago you think he's just gone and then he like re-signs as an afterthought and is really honestly i think he he deserves a lot of credit for his development like he's gotten significantly better defensively you know, he's not like Matisse, but he's, he's clearly learned from Matisse and he says he's worked with Matisse a lot. Um, like he has some of those like weak side blocks that, you know, that you just wouldn't expect a guy like him where you just think of him as a shooter and nothing else, but he, he's like rounded out his game enough to the point where he's a playable rotation player. Um, An important and, one too. Yeah. And, and he, Lord knows he does not lack confidence in terms of, shooting threes or running things off the dribble. So I'll go under, but only slightly. So if I put it at 2.5, would you have gone over? Oh, I, that, that feels about right. That feels about right. The actual, so what do you think about the Jane Springer pick? Any yeah. thought, any thoughts or early impressions on his game? I actually know very little about him. And then I'm just curious because maybe I'm in, it is doc is in charge, right. but I'm just envisioning the Sixers being pure anarchy until there's a bench <laughs> resolution. Is there a chance that he gets a crack at actual playing time for this team as a rookie. I would be surprised. Never say never, but I would be surprised. It sounds like they viewed him more as a long-term investment. Um, you know, if Maxi or Milton totally fall flat on their face, maybe, but we haven't heard much about Springer at camp, which makes me think his acclimation is a bit slow. I think defensively is where he's going to make more of an impact early on. I think the offensive game is a little more raw, but you know, again, if point of attack defense becomes a major issue with this team, especially with, you know, if Max or Milton are both getting roasted and like Matisse is in foul trouble, maybe that's when you just, <laughs> as you said, you just got to throw stuff at the wall and see like, all right, Jaden go out and like try to just shut down Trey young for six minutes. And so we get these guys you know, until the first half is over, we can play our normal guys again. So what, was Maxi that bad on defense last year? I remember from the games that I watched, like I was like, this dude will compete when he's on the ball. Is it a thing where yeah. he just can't get around those ball screens that he's just going to get killed on them? Yeah, he he competes and his defense got better throughout the year. Doc said early in the year, he was the team's worst defender. And then uh, as the year went on, he improved on that. End. So I think he's made strides, but again, it's just like, I don't think he's stopping De'Aaron Fox or... yeah like anyone of that caliber i think he's gonna struggle with who is so looking at this roster who is the player maybe people aren't talking about enough or just the player that you identified they're going to play a bigger more important role on this sixer squad this season than expected yeah it's a a really good question i mean i don't know how much buzz maxi is getting nationally it doesn't seem like a lot but he does seem like he's in line to be the starting point guard so i can't choose him but like he he is kind of their main x factor this year i'd say like if we're going deep cuts here 
Isaiah Joe has really stood out in the preseason. That guy could just shoot the hell out of the ball. Um, so if you're looking for, again, just like things aren't falling one night for Danny or for Seth Curry or for Quirk Maz off the bench, it wouldn't shock me to see Isaiah Joe work his way into the rotation a little bit. And then Paul Reed's the other guy who he's just, I still don't know what he is. Like they, they are leading toward using him as a five. So, you know, it's probably like, as you mentioned, the nights where Embiid and Drummond are healthy, he's probably not getting much run, but on the nights where Embiid misses a game or Drummond misses a game, it wouldn't shock me to see Paul Reed as the main backup five. And the kid's just like all energy at this point. Like he needs to put it together in terms of being like a reliable, you know, does he know defensive rotations in particular, but I know they're super high on him. He was the G League MVP last year, so we've always got that going for us. So I think Joe and Reed are probably the two, you know, deep, deep cuts. But I think their top 10 is pretty clear. Like, you know, they got Maxi in the starting five, and then going to be Milton, Quirk, Maz, Matisse, Yang, and Drummond off the bench. And then after that, you know, it, injuries might open the door for a Joe or a Reed or something like that. But I, I think they have a very clear rotation going into the year, even without Ben. I'm wondering if, I don't think he fits the bill playing a bigger role, but as someone who could explode that maybe people aren't talking about because they feel like he's peaked would be a Seth Curry, where it's just yeah. like he was averaging between like four and five off the dribble jumpers per game last season in the regular season and the playoffs. Does that number just shoot up? Are they yeah. having him run a ton of pick and rolls? Is that even what they're doing with their offense at this point without Ben Simmons? And is he someone just like, if you, who would be the most random, not the most random, the, the most unlikely player that could average like 20 points a game this season to actually average 20 points a game? I might pick him. And so I'm just, again, I think people expect him to play a pretty important role. I'm just wondering if it becomes like more of a, holy crap, like this team is pretty Seth Curry centric at this point. I mean, that's what they were in the, like in that Atlanta series, like he was arguably their second or third best player. Like he averaged 19 points per game almost in the playoffs shot, you know, almost 51 from three, 58 from the field. Uh, last year was weird for him because he got COVID uh, and said it like did kind of knock him on his ass a little bit. So like COVID you know, is real. Yeah, uh, Hashtag was, get vaccinated. Supposedly. I don't know. I'll, I'll talk to Jonathan Isaac. We'll see. Is, we'll do our own research and get back to you guys. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, you know, I think the regular season, he got off to a really hot start and then got COVID, I think, in like early January. Just wasn't really himself even after he came back. Uh, and then finally, like, really got back into the swing of things by the end of the year. And his three-point volume started going up from, you know, toward the end of the season in particular. But yeah, like I, I really do think they are just telling Seth Curry, like you cannot, you cannot end a night with fewer than like six to eight threes. Like we just can't have you need you are that good of a shooter. We need you to play that role, especially with Ben out. So, you know, averaging twenty points a game, I'd love to see it. I don't know if he gets that high, but like, what did he averaged twelve point five last year? His career high is twelve point eight. I'm pretty sure he's setting a new career high this year. Uh, I I don't know. I'm I'm gonna say like, what do you like? Is he at 18 this year? Like, is it astro? Is it just asinine to think that he could get that high when you're just looking at? And you're not really trying to replace Ben Simmons scoring, so maybe that's just a stupid thing. (laughs) But I'm just envisioning him having the ball in his hands more. Right. So I have no idea, but fascinating player to watch. 
What is aside from getting a hundred percent of their players to report? What's this team's biggest weakness right now? It's got to be playmaking, point guard, whatever. I is Ben Simmons a point guard? I don't know. Yeah, but uh, yeah, I think you know that is for sure the biggest concern. You just as much as we like the idea of this egalitarian offense, or of like, oh, maybe Tyrese Maxey really will be the answer here. You know, going into the season, we just don't know. Right. So that's the clearly like that's clearly what you would identify right now. I mean, again, maybe there's a pleasant surprise, and these guys actually do pretty well. Like Shake has gotten off to a rough start in the preseason, um, and really struggled in that role last year off the bench, and that's kind of what led them to acquire George Hill at the trade deadline. So even if Maxi does well, maybe Shake struggled off the bench. They still have. The problem of like who is our who are our playmakers right now? We don't really have a bunch. The typical questions we've reached the cookie cutter portion of the podcast where I ask these questions every look ahead. I would normally ask who is the player as of now you think is most likely to be traded on this team. We've already tackled that. If there's a scenario where Ben Simmons isn't moved or if they try to do something before they move him, is there another player you see as most likely to be traded or maybe a small are the, is this team even built to make a smaller scale trade when you look at the personnel that they have because every ben simmons deal whether you're winning or losing it's a it's a mega blockbuster right j- just inherently but you look at this team's sort of payroll and it's like right, you're not trading Embiid, you're not trading tobias harris you really can't trade seth curry at this point i guess they do have like some mid-end salaries but i think you would argue their best some of their best trade chips aside from picks and ben simmons are like you know Thibel and uh, Tyrese Maxey and, Sh- and Shake Milton who are all making packing peanuts at this point. Right. Yeah. So that leads us to Danny Green would be, I guess, the most likely candidate. Like if this, if the only scenario where I could see it happening is if the season just goes totally off the rails, they, you know, tank for like a top trace. five pick. <laughs> yeah. Right. <laughs> Dave DeFore running the team that's going to offer that. Uh, <laughs> No, but I could see, you know, he's on a reasonable contract, a two-year, $20 million deal. Um, I Like, that's a value that any contender would want. So if they are just like, no, we are, this the Simmons thing totally ruined us. We are just going to take a step back. Like, let's, let's trade Danny for someone who we think has higher upside long-term. And, you know, maybe, like, it could also be a, a vote of confidence in Matisse. Like, if, if Matisse really takes a huge step forward and they need him in the starting lineup, because they can't cover like Danny isn't going to be that option defensively. Right. You know, is Danny green happy coming off the bench for a team that doesn't have real championship aspirations? Is there actually a scenario where they would punt on this season because of all this? Is it just Joel B gets injured? Is is like yeah. that the only scenario where that happens? Yeah, I think so. I, okay. I don't think, I, I think if he's healthy, you just can't because you, you know, you don't know how long he's going to stay healthy. You can't risk punting on especially with him coming off of the season that he just had like I think you have to at least give it your all uh, as much as you possibly can but again like this it always comes back to the Simmons situation but like this thing is going to be a circus until it's resolved and how much of a distraction is it like beyond just the on-court factors of like can their playmaking survive can their defense survive it's like you know, does Embiid just like mentally check out like he kind of did throughout parts of the 2019-20 season that he like he just looked miserable out mm-hmm. there. Um, 
And if that's the case, like, does he take a step back in his play as well? So I, I think as long as he stays healthy, they don't fully punt, but it wouldn't surprise me if they take, you know, like a realistic look at themselves before the trade deadline and say, if we have zero hope of contending for a championship this year, no, maybe we do try to flip Danny into something, into a guy who's under a long-term contract or like a young player who we believe could have a breakout in our system, whatever the case may be. This is matchup dependent, but what do you think should be their most used crunch time lineup this season? Yeah, I mean, I think, well, Seth, Danny, Tobias, and Joel are most likely going to be in there. The one caveat would be if Thibel does become a more dependable three-point shooter or if Danny's limitations defensively, like if they just absolutely need someone to be able to lock someone down. And I, again, Danny just isn't that guy anymore. Um, I could see Thibel replacing him. And then... I think between Maxie and Milton, it's just which of these two guys is a more competent playmaker and a more reliable shooter. What is a quirky, offbeat, unconventional lineup you would, just to see what happens, you would run out if you were the head coach or if you had the power over Doc Rivers to force him to experiment with? Yeah, it, it, it would be a small ball lineup because I think we're not going to see it very often. So I want Tobias and Yang out there. I would say Curry... Cork Maz, and then again, one of Max or Milton, and they're going to get just boat race defensively. But can that can that line up offensively make up and just pray that like you know it's not just a layup line to the rim? Maybe you just get into a three point shooting contest with the other team. I, I would bet on the three point shooting out out gunning another team. It's just like yeah, can you can you stop them at all from penetrating the paint? I would guess probably not. Mine was similar. I just want to see five people who can are like kind of ball handlers that can put the ball on the floor Ooh, in a small okay. lineup. So I'm taking Yang off, and I want Corkmaz, Tobias, Shake Milton, Seth Curry, and Tyrese Maxey. Uh, that's oh. that's going to be a special nightmare defensively. <laughs> but if Embiid's not on the court, I don't know what chance you you can throw Ty Matisse Seibel in there if you like don't care about yeah. You know, if you, obviously for some defense, but I would. I'm leaning into this kid until the Ben Simmons situation is resolved. And so I would absolutely try a lineup like that. That's fair. Yeah, that would be, it would be fun if nothing else. And like, that's all we've got right now. Cause otherwise the season is projecting to be pretty miserable. Ultimately. And this it's anything, every question I ask you about this a little because of the situation, yeah. how high are you on this team without Ben Simmons being there until he is tr- like, if they don't move Ben Simmons, how high are you on this team? Pretty low, honestly. Like, I I mean, Brooklyn and Milwaukee, regardless of whether Ben Simmons reports or not, are clearly ahead of the Sixers. For sure. I, think. I would put Atlanta at least on the same tier, if not ahead, even with Ben Simmons, without their far ahead, and put Miami far ahead. You know, I think the Knicks and Boston, I would put both of them ahead as well, probably. So we're talking like the ceiling of, you know, I think they'd be a playing team. Honestly, I'd be very surprised if they made it, if they somehow finished with the top six record and maybe, maybe Miami, especially with their depth issues, like if Jimmy or Bam or Kyle goes down or like two of them goes down, maybe that sends them sinking. So I guess if other teams get ravaged by injuries, maybe they could be a top six seed, but I mean, I, I think, 
for all of the focus on Simmons' weaknesses, especially in the playoffs, he is a very impactful regular season player. I think, you know, he is the definition of when Draymond talks about like 82 game players versus 16 game players. Ben Simmons is an 82 game player. He's really effective in the regular season, despite the shooting limitations. The Sixers annihilated people with him and Joel Embiid on the court last year during the regular yeah. season. They, they straight up mutilated them. Yeah, like I, I think a large part of it is because defenses aren't as locked in during the regular season. So you're going to get mm-hmm. out in the transition more where Ben can be more effective and you can kick out for threes. Like they, they were just killer in that regard. Like Danny and Curry both just love the transition threes. Um, you know, like... In theory, we've seen the workout videos. Maybe one year Ben Simmons does come back and actually starts attempting jumpers. So that would be interesting as well. Uh, so yeah, like I think they with Ben, I'd put them in that Atlanta, Miami, like c- competing for the number three seed without unless Maxi, Curry, Tobias, Matisse, Embiid all have career years like five, six seed seems like their ceiling. And I think realistically, they're probably in the play-in tournament. This is a similarly loaded question, but if you're going to assume like you are, that they're going to move Ben Simmons and get something for him, their over-under as we record this is 51.5. Actually higher than the Phoenix Suns, by the way. Really? 50.5, which is... Wow. I know know the West is the West, but that was shocking to me. Yeah. Are you taking the over or under? And let's... And maybe your answer doesn't change from this, but their place in the Eastern Conference, where do you see it falling? Just assuming they trade Ben Simmons for at least one player, that's going to actually have an impact on, on their rotation. Is it higher than that five or six seed? Or if you're going from Ben Simmons to maybe it's a better fitting player, but it's a non-star, it's such a loaded question because if that non-star is DeJounte Murray, because of what he gives you from the point of attack defensively, mm-hmm. you actually probably could end up being like – real i'm not better but like you could end up just being better than what you're expecting in the five or six range so i don't really know how to tackle that so we could just leave it at the over under it's 51.5 are you taking the over or the under on that i think because of the uncertainty with the timeline of when they trade ben or like if he even reports or what they get back in return for him like if if someone like put a gun to my side and you to my head and said you have to bet this I'm betting the under just because of all of the potential issues that could stack up. Like I think a lot needs to go right for them to hit the over. Whereas you can see the disaster playing out a lot more easily. So for that reason, I would go under, but I would also advise no one to bet. Just pick, pick the, like go over on Phoenix. That's a, that's much easier money. Don't waste your money betting on the Sixers this year. Cause there's not like they're, they're, we, we did these like Forbes preseason uh, profiles for every team and like best bet was one of the sections. I was like, there isn't really a good Sixers bet. Like I guess Tyrese Maxey for most approved player is what I had landed on. Cause otherwise, like I have no confidence in any of the other Sixers bet. I guess. Yeah. The under betting the under would be the best bet. Other than I think that. smashing the under makes sense. I'm just Joel beat is so good. Yeah. That it's like, I could see him being, if you left this roster alone, I can see the Sixers winning 52 games, but I think you also have to tell me that Joel Embiid then plays in 70, which he has never done before. Right. So I would smash the over, uh, smash the under. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Is there anything or anyone about this team that I have not asked you about that you think needs to be discussed? 
Uh, can we talk about Ben Simmons more? Have we, have we covered him enough, do you think? Yeah, I mean, we have another three hours to go to obligatory Ben Simmons talk. I do find, I feel like a lot of the coverage on the NBA now is anti-transaction, and I still really do enjoy the trade portion. I think it's also important to acknowledge that there is a human element to this. Mm-hmm. I have zero just like interest in this Ben Sh- Simmons shit anymore. And <laughs> I don't know if you saw my tweet the other day. These breaking news. Oh, with the audience. It's just the same. It's the same fucking thing, just recycled. It's not breaking yeah. anymore. Like you're just rehashing what we already know. I don't need the recap. I also don't even need like the latest leak coming out of Ben Simmons' camp of the Sixers. We've reached the Sixers were so good. It ruined it. <laughs> it's I need this to end. I yes. want it as as well as it can end for all parties involved. I don't even know what that looks like. I, I think the Spurs are my my favorite for both sides. I think yeah. putting Ben Simmons in San Antonio, I'd be curious about the fit with some of the players on the roster. But if he gets to play for Pop, I'd like Ben Simmons there. I think they can give the Sixers an adequate return. If I care just about Ben Simmons in this, I really want to see him on Minnesota. I have no desire mm-hmm. to see D'Angelo Russell in um, Philly. I also, I'm no not, I. I know people think the CJ McCollum trades a no brainer. I actually think that you need to get a lot more stuff because of CJ's age and really just how crippling it will be for you defensively. And the other thing I will argue on that front is if I'm the Sixers and midseason in December, Ben Simmons is on the roster and Portland throws you the kitchen sink outside of Dame and CJ McCollum where it's norm, where it's you have Larry Nance Jr., you have Rocco, and then just picks galore. Uh, that might intrigue me more than a close to straight up CJ for Ben Simmons trade is something that, that I've true. thought about. Um, yeah. Because Norman Powell is a better defender than CJ, not the same level of shot creator, but still gives you, you don't want to be in your point guard, even if you can do some secondary pick and roll stuff, gives you some north south juice there. That was something that I started ruminating over i don't think it's the package the sixers want but i am curious if we're going to get to a point that it's uncharacteristic for the spurs to trade for ben simmons when you really think about it Mm -hmm. when you think about what they would need to give up do they eventually try and straddle a line and i think the two teams that stand out are portland when norman powell is eligible to be traded because they have nance they have roco and then just a bunch of future picks and then i think this is a terrible fit but just the Pacers have been mentioned. Yeah. If yeah. Harris Levert is healthy, if TJ Warren is healthy, those are apparently big, fat, freaking ifs. And then you have Malcolm Brockton just sitting there. So I wouldn't be crazy about that from the Pacers, but those seem like the two teams that might be willing to shake things up and then can provide the Sixers with that middle ground. And I, I get it that CJ's the better player, especially, you know, what he does in the playoffs is just, for most of his career, he's just been awesome there. Mm-hmm. If I'm the Sixers, though, I'd probably prefer the the hodgepodge deal that I just laid out. And I don't know if Portland would be interested in that either, but if you figure out a way to keep CJ and still get Ben Simmons and then you have Dame, yes, I'm absolutely doing that. Yeah, and then, I mean, if Philly didn't want all of the, uh, Nance and Covington and they were saying, okay, we need a point guard somehow, like you can flip one of those guys even for a backup at that point, like that – that would give you some flexibility. You could flip Nance to Phoenix for probably campaign Jalen Smith and a pick or something. Yeah. Yeah. That'd be interesting. Or even, I mean, hell, we'll see what happens. Well, I guess the Clippers wouldn't do that to Reggie Jackson. Uh, yeah. I mean, put him on a better team. 
<laughs> but like he you know he he is tight with paul george and like with he seems friend. to love it there i mean i'm yeah. shocked he only had the two-year deal that he signed yeah, no, he I, I, it just sounds like he would I, I think ramona shelburne had the story uh during the playoffs just about like how he was like ready to give up on basketball and then paul george like talked to him so i, I think he's staying he there. said it afterwards too that this team saved yeah. him so yeah, yeah but yeah that's just i think people will hear this and think that i'm fucking stupid and maybe i am <laughs> and i think some people don't like the norman powell contract but it's like as someone who's sort of plug and play and i know yeah. he's been all over the place for his career if there's all that other stuff involved i i'm at the point where i might consider it i think you would ideally want more of it you want a star for ben simmons i think personally and we didn't really get into this their best chance of flipping ben simmons for a star this season i think it's bradley beal that's yeah. the and I don't even know like does Bradley Beal want to stay there if he's traded to Philly because right. he's scheduled for free agency after this season. Um, but I I just can't I would be floored if Dame requests out in the middle of the year in Portland. That doesn't yeah. feel like how that situation is going to end. No, I I really think best case scenario happens next off season. I'm with you on the Pacers actually. Like dating back to the very beginning of this, we were trying to figure out a three team deal. My more my co-host and I. I forget what we settled on, but we had, we came up with something where it was like uh, Portland, Indiana, Philly, three team deal. And I think it was Ben to Portland, CJ to Indiana. And then uh, Brogdon, it was Brogdon lamb and the 13 pick to Philly, which is obviously off the table now, but like the Indiana thing, instead of the 13th pick. (laughs) Right, right, right. I mean like the Indiana thing, it doesn't make as of right now, unless there's a third team involved, I don't understand it at all from Indiana's perspective because right. you need to be getting off some bonus or turner in a yes. deal. And that's what I'm wondering. It like because it seems like Turner just doesn't have a ton of trade value around the league. That's wild to me, by the way. Me too. Yeah, I don't get it at all. But like conceptually, if I'm talking, you know, which of the two bigs fits better with Simmons, I would say it's Turner. For so, sure. Maybe there's a three-team deal where Philly sends Simmons to Indiana. Indiana sends Sabonis somewhere else. I've thought a lot about where, which team. I'm there are teams that would want Sabonis, but he's he's so much more of you know a unique player than Miles Turner. I would say that you need to be prepared to give him some semi-substantive license over your offense if you're going to trade for him. Right. Yeah. Portland was my idea. For them as well, but I don't know if they would have interest in him. Like that's where it's a Nurk would be weird. Yeah, it would be weird. I know. And that's the problem. A lot of these teams like have either and they would be like collecting Caucasian bigs at that point. Yeah. Yeah. So I don't know. If Indiana's involved, that's that's the kind of framework I think makes the most sense for them too. Not, you know, they they send Brogdon back to Philly and sense a bonus elsewhere and then get something back. For Sabonis, or like whichever team gets a bonus and stuff to Indiana, stuff to Philly, splits the difference. Book ended this podcast with some Ben Simmons talk, started it with some Ben Simmons talk. <laughs> How's that for Sixers discussions right now? Brian, are you able to tell our listeners where they can find you on social media and all the great work that you do? Yes, you can find me on Twitter at B Toporek, T O P O R E K. You can find, I write about uh, the Sixers and just salary cap stuff. Condolences for that, by the way. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, it's been a, a great summer uh, uh, at Forbes Sports. 
and do some stuff for the step back at Fansided as well. And then you can find my podcast, the NBA podcast, wherever podcasts are found. And I, I hear we have some special guests coming up to walk through some league pass rankings soon. So keep an eye out yes. for that. Check out that podcast. There might be, they went slumming over at the <laughs> and Adam and I were on there for league pass rankings. This episode is going up first. So regardless yes. of when you're listening to this episode, uh, go head over to the NBA pod. I, if you're if listening to this on Sunday or Monday, don't do that because it won't be up yet. Right. But any but days Tuesday. after that, go check out. <laughs> Brian, as always, thank you for your time. I think you know by now I'll be pestering you again in the future. But thank you so much for this. It was, uh, I think, as you know, it was as fun as it could be to talk about the Sixers, right? <laughs> right. That's that's about the best way to sum that up. But I am happy to do it. And uh, for all of our sakes, I pray he gets traded soon and I will happily rejoin you when he does. <laughs>